0: and welcome to the Book Cave. Today I'm delighted to be interviewing award-winning Australian author Fiona Lowe. Fiona, welcome to the Book Cave. Thank you, Jennifer. Wonderful to have you here. Now, Fiona, you are an award-winning author and uh, the author of different sorts of books. I'm fascinated by this. Now, you've started out writing genre fiction, is that right? That's right,
1: category romance medical, with the medical genre, medical romance. So So tell us a bit about it. What does it mean, genre fiction? Well, um, category romance or genre fiction, all sorts of different things. Genre fiction can be... um, topic specific so we can have uh, sci-fi, romance, paranormal, all sorts of different things. And under the romance umbrella, there are lots of different types of genres. So there there can be that feature romance. So there's well my favorite which is the medical romance. There's the uh, historical romance, the th- Thriller Intrigue, the murder mystery uh, romance. Cowboys are huge at the moment, the cowboy romance. And um, Harlequin published 17 different genres under that romance banner. Wow. There's a a writing friend says romance is a bit like a box of roses chocolates. There's a different um, flavour for any taste.
0: Okay, and so obviously some people have their favourites and you have
1: specialised, your area tends to be medical romance? Yeah, that's right. I didn't know that medical romances existed and um, way, way back in the day when I was a student nurse, I have fond memories of being in the nurse's home at the Alfred Hospital and we all would gather around and watch the flying doctors. And oh, yes. anyone Anyone in, in the medical field loves watching those medical TV shows, you know, House or ER or whatever, and part of the challenge is to try and work out what the condition is before the end of the show
0: oh really yeah, yeah. Oh, okay so it's so a bit like anatomy. Us, uh, yeah, exactly
1: i assume that the police and and lawyers and stuff like to watch and to work out the 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 tenets of law but with us it's and i remember as a, a kid watching country practice and that was the other you know you try and work out what the condition was at, at the start so i always enjoyed those television shows and um when i turned 30 a friend of mine as a joke because every time he called me i was in the bath and he gave me this big basket of body uh, shop bubble bath and things, a bottle of champagne in the middle, and this little pink Mills and Boone romance, which was about this big and that wide, and it was called A Medical Romance. And I read it and it was like, oh, okay, and then I enjoyed it and thought, oh, I bet I could write one of those, <laughs> which is the deluded thought of anyone who's written a well-written book and enjoyed it and thinks they'll have a shot. But I didn't actually do anything about it for another um, three years when I was at home with a baby okay and so having had this
0: apparently deluded thought that you could write a romance what what was the reality
1: so you obviously thought it was going to be something quite easy oh yes I heard on the radio I heard an interview on the radio and um, I was at home with a with a six month old baby and and tossing up what I was going to do was I going back to work full time part time what was I going to do and they were ABC Radio were interviewing someone from uh, Mills and Boone, London, and they were talking about the books, and they said, "We are always seeking new authors." Huh. You know, we welcome manuscripts. So I turned the radio off and was pegging out a load of nappies and came up with a bit of a book idea. <laughs> I knew nothing. Went in, turned on the brand spanking new computer. I think this was our second computer. So we'd graduated from the, the DOS system, which was black and orange, to I think it was the first word and it was oh. colour. So The black with the green? Uh, no, it was colour. No, oh, no it was proper. Yeah, well, it was the first wow. time I remember using were well it was word perfect. Oh oh yes, okay. So I pounded out three chapters and oh they said you could write away and get a cassette. And the, this is how I think what what happened was when, when Mills and Boone and Harlequin started writing romances, because there's so many different types and they're wanting the back there, way back um, you know, in the in the nineteen twenties, the medical romances were actually the first um the first romance that they started publishing, they were called mm. Doctor Nurse stories, and they, of course, totally graduated. I haven't written a doctor and a nurse in a category romance for years. Most of mine have been doctor doctor, right? But oh. uh, so anyway, they 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 sent off. You could I started so long ago; it was a cassette. <laughs> A cassette tape. A, a cassette tape, right. and it came, and it had it. It had um, some information about ca- characterization and dialogue, and it, it had four topics, like two on each side. I can't remember the other two. Is this two. The, the sort of
0: you hear this word "formula" a lot it's in that's relation what I was about to. to? Say,
1: so what happened was Mills and Boon was the first publishing house that ever gave out writing guidelines because category romance is very, very um, defined. It, Obviously, if you want to write for the medical line, you have to have some kind of medical, medical, and you have to have some. If you want to write the historical line, it it has to be so. A lot of good writers say, "Oh, I couldn't ever get a contract with them because they're writing across the genres or they're going outside the guidelines." So this is where um, the prescribed comes in, which is nonsense because it's just guidelines for each category because when a person picks up a harlequin book they're picking up a promise they're picking up a promise of a happy ending but they're also if they're picking up the pink book well actually all the colors have just all changed it's been completely rebranded as of 2018 i'm not up to speed with all my different colors but if you're picking up a medical romance you're going to get medical themes if you're picking up a historical same thing a thriller whatever so that's where that came from so anyway i got the cassette and listened to that and typed up these three chapters and didn't read the fine print very clearly. Um, I had no idea how to format. I think I sent three chapters of single spacing, which <laughs> you don't do because editors go cross-eyed, and I posted it to Sydney because Mills and Booney in Australia is in Sydney, and they very kindly sent it back to me and said, no, no, it's got to go to London. <gasps> wow. So mm. I sent it to London. Of course, these days, all the guidelines and all the information, everything's on the internet. But but when I started, I was...
0: All by mail.
1: It was all done by mail.
0: Snail mail. It
1: was. And then you... So it would have taken a while too. Yeah, and heavy. And it cost a lot. Oh, yeah. But you did have the glory of um, going down to the post office with your manuscript and um, chatting to the person at the post office who wished you well and then you kissed it before you posted it, you know. <laughs> get that anymore well i suppose you you know you hit send but so you sent off these three chapters i sent off these three chapters and um literally the day i sent it off or the day after i sent it off my husband said there's this really good job in america and three weeks later we were in the states wow so about three months later i got a letter from my mother saying oh this letter came from london and it said you know Dear Fiona, we really enjoyed the first three chapters and we'd like to see the rest of the book. (laughs) Wow! I didn't have a a typewriter. I didn't have a computer. I had nothing. So it took me a year to finish that book. Wow. And uh, I sent it off and it was rejected Um, on a page and a half letter when I didn't understand the significance of that Mm. So uh, We like a long letter and a fat envelope. That's right. Um, Apparently they can just say this is not suitable for our needs, boom. And uh, I never got one of those. And then I joined um, Romance Writers of America. I was living in Madison and I had a lot of time because I – wasn't allowed to work I was a non-resident alien without any rights to work so I looked after the baby and I had time to read the paper and in about the July about three months after we got there there was a little community ad saying that the romance writers of America Madison chapter was having a potluck dinner and I said to my husband oh, I'm going to be really brave and I'm going to go to this and Pretty, it was very brave the best thing I did because it just opened me up to this world of people who wrote. It was like finding your tribe and um, and it was terrific. And over the two and a half years I lived there, I, I went to quite a few um, writing workshops and conferences and, and I learnt a lot. But that said, I also had too much influence on my writing. Right. So, so is that kind of like there needs to be a balance between? There does. You don't have to because I was so desperate to get published, I would take on board absolutely everything anyone said. Oh. And anyway, I wrote another book while I was there, which I thought was better than my first one, and it was rejected. And uh, and part of that was a writing group, and the teacher had said when I'd come up with my idea, no, 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 don't do that. Do this instead. Uh, bad move. I did her idea instead and it got rejected. And it got rejected more tersely than the first one. Then right. anyway, I had, we came back to Australia had another baby. I didn't write for quite a few years probably. And then when my youngest was 3 and we were living in Geelong, there was an article in the advertiser about a writing workshop in Queenscliff. And uh, I said to my husband I think you can have the kids for the day. <laughs> I'm going to go down and um d- and do this. And I met the v- the very well-known and talented Mary Lennox, who has oh, now yes. written well over a hundred uh, category romances, medical and straight romance. Anyway, I did her workshop, and she asked a question had anyone had a rejection or a and I said yes, and told her about them. and she pulled me over at the end and she said, are you writing? I said, oh no, I haven't haven't written anything for three and a half years. And she said, you have to go back to it because those rejection Um, letters are actually encouraging you to to write because there was a page and a half with each one. I went, oh, okay. So, I had another go and that got rejected. And then the fourth one, um, I got a letter back saying um, they would telephone me and I thought, oh, you know, they're going to fire, it, but they didn't. She said oh. it needs, it wasn't up to this, I'll never forget this, it's not up to her high standards. Like, oh. <laughs> not up to their high standards. standards. like, oh, okay. Wow. But the other big, the big light bulb moment for that was she said there are times your voice seems to disappear, your writing voice seems to disappear. And uh, I was working very closely with a friend of mine in the States who was my critique partner. And sadly for her, at that time, uh, her husband was very ill and she didn't have time to help me. But it was the best thing on the other side of the coin for me was because it was just all me and she'd been, her voice had been encroaching on my voice and that. So I, I I rewrote it and sent that off a month later and then they bought my first book. So it was... Four books over a period of ten years from the, that okay. moment of
0: hearing That were rejected. So four books rejected and then No, you the fourth got, book
1: sold. The fourth book sold. But from the moment I heard that interview and decided picking ah, out the nappies, it was I was 10, years. Go, it was ten years. Wow. So now these category romances are a, a limited number of words. Fifty thousand. They're they're okay. very small and because of that you are very to give the high obtain emotional punch mm-hmm. that the mills and Boone reader wants because um, they want to they want to walk that journey with the couple so there's no extraneous characters. There's right. No, it's very. very so there's no focused. room for more than no. the focus on the hero and no. heroine, heroine. That's right. Yeah, and okay. you know, you obviously in medicals we have patients with particular in- medical instances to yeah. propel the story forward, but they are walk on walk off roles. Right. Okay. That's
0: fantastic. Now you've written what thirty of these? Oh uh, no, nearly twenty. I've oh, just twenty three. Wow, that's pretty amazing. 23 books but what i'm fascinated by is this one now this book boomerang bride which is just delightful thank you and set in america yes in small town wisconsin but with an australian heroine heroine. and there she is now this book has had a fascinating journey hasn't it
1: it has i got to i'd written six seven i wrote eight medical romances and I was starting to feel a bit constrained by just the two just the couple. Yeah. And I wanted and I, when I when I first sold and someone said to me, Oh, are you ever gonna write a bigger book? I couldn't even conceive writing a second um, medical Mills and Boone, let alone <laughs> writing a bigger book. But um I guess after eight books I developed and toned up my writing muscles and I had new ones flexing and wanting to um so To be tried. So I decided I was going to write what's called a single title romance. So it's not a category romance. A single title, they're bigger, they're 90,000 to 100,000 100, words. Do whatever you want to in the story. Have as many characters as you want. But um, I was back living in Australia then. I was trying to break into the American market, and they always say, write what you know. And I had started writing medicals because that was what I knew. Mm. And I would lived there. And so I had all the lingo, but I also wanted to have one character that I could relax with, and so Matilda was was Australian, exactly. and uh, I got this idea. Most books come from a variety of sources, it's a, a collage, but the first. Um, seed of this book and I had no idea it's never happened since I wish it would but I was sitting on a ski lift in Mount and the Heavenly Valley lift and I'm surrounded by snow and I'm gazing out and the lift stopped for a minute and suddenly I had this image in my head of a bride standing on a street holding a wedding cake and staring into a shop window and I thought what that is and it wouldn't leave Wow. They kept popping into my mind and then a few weeks later I was driving from Melbourne to uh, Geelong. I'd been in town and uh, the waifs were playing on the radio and a bridal train came on and the waif's grandmother married an American um, soldier uh, and the American government paid for all the war brides to have a one-way ticket on a boat so they so from Western Australia, they got the train from Fremantle to to Sydney, I think, or Perth, or Melbourne, whatever, and then they got on the boat and yes. they sailed. And so I decided that her grandmother, this is her story, and she'd been raised with the big adventure and grandma believed that she was going to get married and had baked her this cake and then she died. Oh. So anyway, she arrives in small town. Wisconsin to marry the guy that she thinks is the love of her life that she's met online. And uh, sadly, lots and lots of people are scammed by meeting and st- still 10. Yes, ten this was oh, This was 2012 and every year, and Australians are the worst apparently. <laughs> really? Even last year there was an article in the paper about women being scammed online and Australians lose hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. Wow. So yes, yeah, so so that you was... get letters from readers. No, I had uh, no, 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 no. There's, there's just every year. There's there's, there's more scams. An article. and there's more scams. So
0: now this book has an extraordinary history because, in fact, this is an award-winning book, but not just any award. This is the book that won you a Rita Award. That's right. Now this is a Rita this is Award. Rita. This is the Oscar of the romance writers' world, and it's very, very prestigious as I understand, a very beautiful too. So how did we get an Australian author with an Australian heroine, a book called Boomerang Bride, has won the Romance Writers of America Reader Award?
1: No idea. I'm still in shock. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wrote Boomerang Bride and um, with grand plans that it would be a print book and it would be in shells, it would sell into America and, you know, I'd get my big break. And what happened was I had just finished writing it and the global financial crisis hit and publishing went to the wall in the States and no one was buying anything. And uh, so I sent it out. It took me 32 agent queries before I got an agent. She sent it out to 12 print publishing houses and every single one of them rejected it. And uh, then Harlequin started their Digital first line. And you have to understand this was back in 2011 when ebooks were very new. Yeah. And I said to my husband, I'm going to submit it because it's backed by, you know, it's a big publishing house is doing this ebook mm. first. Um, and I really don't want this to be an ebook. So they'll buy it. And that's exactly what happened. Six weeks later, they bought it. And uh, so there's no advance. And uh, I sold it to them and it came out in. The following August of of twenty eleven, and the the best thing that ever happened was Karina Press said, "If you want to enter the Rita competition, we will print you the ten books required yeah, to enter." Yeah. So they did that, and all I had to do was pay the um, entrance fee. Normally, I have to schlep to the post office and pay a fortune in books and ship them to America. I didn't have to do any of that. Anyway, I forgot about it really. I just entered it and went, well, that'll be that. And then um, one morning, my iPad started going ping, 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 and we didn't have the doors closed. And everyone got up and said, Why is it making all that noise? <laughs> anyway, all over Twitter, apparently, I'd finaled normally they telephone you and you know like 12 hours before the world knows well they'd forgotten to ring me or they couldn't work out the long (laughs) time difference difference, whatever (laughs) so I didn't really believe it but I had finaled so that was to me that was the prize I'd finaled and and I um organized the family and to look after themselves and did something I'd never done since they were all had arrived and I went to America because I said I'm not going to win but there's parties and I'm just going to go for that glory. Because I have to say, I
0: have, I've been to uh, two Rita Award ceremonies and they are actually just like the Oscars. Everyone's in ball gowns and there are nomination categories. With four or five uh, nominees. There are, you know, superstar authors like Nora Roberts presenting the awards. And so you, you were actually sitting there.
1: It, two and a half thousand people yeah. in the ballroom. Yeah. And it's That's just it's about It's extraordinary. My head. <laughs> was, were you in New York for this or? No, it was As, in, Anna, in a, Anaheim. Anaheim. Yeah. Oh, Disneyland? Yes, Healthy. so so I went. So I went. I went back Garner. to. Um, I went back to Wisconsin and I uh, researched for picture perfect wedding there. because oh, yes. it's yes. set on dairy farms in Wisconsin. So I visited friends and I did that, and then we went to the conference and I ran around and I let them take me out for dinner and do all this thing. And I had my flag that said I was a finalist at the signing and my certificate <laughs> and all that. And that was it. I, you know, my husband had said to me, "You better have a speech," and I went around. Oh, so about a month before we left, I jotted down dot points on the back of a um business card and, in you know, in women's evening bags, they have oh, that yeah. tiny little pocket. Yes. It's about the size. So I slid it in there and I threw the evening bag into the suitcase literally four weeks before I left the country and had forgotten about it. So when – and I had read all the books that I was up against. Yep. So I really didn't think that I was had a chance at all. But it
0: is a really good book.
1: And when they called it out, I don't know who was shot me or my editor because not only <laughs> had it won with this virtually unknown Australian author, it was the first digital first book to ever win a RITA. Wow. So at one point the publishing house was celebrating so much I felt like saying, excuse me, <laughs> I actually wrote it. Like they, <laughs> they were busy congratulating themselves. <laughs> so, yeah, it, 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 um, it made history for them. For being the Fantastic. first digital first. And then, of course, because it won the Rita, they print-published it and gave it a beautiful new... Co- In fact, Australia had already committed... Australia uh, Harlequin Australia had already committed before it had won the Rita to print-publish it, and that was their cover.
0: Yeah, it's a and great cover. so
1: then America took that cover and, and it got print-published over there. So that was...
0: No groom, no money, no hope. hope. That's
1: right. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. And then of course you've gone on to write your Yeah, I had signed another contract before I'd won the Rita with Karina Press and I did the wedding fever trilogy. Yes, there's yes. three of those. Yep. And then you did your but I still Hannah. couldn't get a, I still couldn't get a print deal with them. That was still digital first. And then I so that's that's Saved by the Bride, Runaway Groom and Picture Perfect Wedding is okay. a trilogy. And Runaway Groom, I had a male, Australian male in that one. They were all set in small town Wisconsin.
0: Fantastic. And then.
1: But, yeah, go on. And then, oh, then Montana. I got a two book deal with um, Berkeley, Penguin yes. Berkeley.
0: Truly Madly Montana. And. And Montana, yeah, actually. actually. Yeah. Yeah, which are great fun. Uh, fun.
1: But then I had ah. a big old urge to write a book back
0: Well, away. now I think because, you know, this whole single title thing, which is so interesting to me, this this, this lovely sort of uh, difference between obviously writing a short book, 50,000 words, and then being able to kind of expand, which means, I guess, more characters, more plots, a bit more depth. And then uh, last year you brought out Daughter of Mine, which is set in Australia. It's set in the Western District West, West of Victoria. Western Victoria and it
1: features Geelong.
0: Yes. But, um, and it's a little bigger. <laughs> it's just a bit bigger, that's right, than, than, than these other books. And so- I think,
1: again, I reached a point that I had more writing muscles and I didn't want to only write romance. I wanted to be able to write books that didn't necessarily yeah. Everyone didn't have a happy ending. Yep, yep. Um, and I wanted um, a, a larger cast of characters and I wanted to be able to explore some different issues. Not that you can't explore issues in romance novels, you totally can, but you have to give a guaranteed happy ending. Yeah. And um, I didn't want to be totally tied into that.
0: And this has three sisters and who are all very different from each other and a, a, a really compelling mother I think ca- character in Marty, who's a real matriarch, but has secrets, and this is a much more um, complex. I would almost call this like a family saga. Yeah. Um you it's know, more, contemporary fiction. fiction. Yeah. yeah, general fiction. Now, I think a lot of publishers would categorise
1: this as women's fiction, but mm, yes, they would. However, women's fiction is a term that I don't like because. Okay. Um, Tell us about that. Well, women's fiction. Um, Just by the word says that it's it's only a book for women. I have a lot of male readers, and this is a book about family, and a family is made up of men and women. And I think that we don't have men's fiction. No, no, very true. true. We do not have men's fiction, so I I'm I'm loath for that. It's almost as if if it's women's fiction, it's lesser fiction, and that is that is completely inaccurate. And it strikes me that they give that term women's fiction especially when it's women who buy the bo- like women it's women who buy over 90% of the books it might even be as high as 95% most of the books blokes read have been purchased or chosen from the library by their the the women in their lives well it's not just that actually women actually are the muscle and the support
0: underneath the publishing industry mm. because it's women who go to literary festivals, women who attend signings, women who um, buy the books, you know, women who tend to, you know, who read by far away the majority. Um, and yet you're quite right. I mean, certainly uh, men as writers and I think as readers are validated above women. Mm. There's no, I think there's no question. I think it's changing slowly but um, certainly I think it was Martin Amos who said he doesn't read books written by women which I find quite incredible and mm-hmm. somewhat insulting. but
1: Absolutely. You know. Um, well, I have had letters from men who yeah. have read Daughter of Mine. Yeah. You know. Not a that a man reading
0: that. your book in any way makes it more valid. It's just interesting. No,
1: no, And I just think that, you know, I just don't, I just believe that women's fiction is an unnecessary term.
0: Okay. Um, well, we won't ask about chiclet then.
1: No, well, that's so, another yeah, unnecessary calling. term as well. Yeah. And I As I said, you know, it's a book about family, and any, and we are all part of a family, whether we know our family, whether we live with our family, whether we're estranged with our family. We all have family in some shape or form, and so people can relate, and and people have related very well to the issues in Daughter of Mine. Mm. I've had letters. uh, In fact, I had a letter from one lady who said, I almost didn't finish it. I had to put it down because it was too painful to read because so much of what was in there she'd actually experienced, which oh. blew me away because I can understand one a person exp- having one of the um, situations in having been through one of the situations in the book but not to have experienced f- all four. <laughs> it's like, you know. That is a lot. That is a lot. It must so. have been quite a spooky experience it for was. her, I think. It was. You know. And she she typed well, she printed out the letter. It came via the by my publisher oh, by in Sydney with Snail okay. Mail. And it was one and a half pages and I had a bit of a cry after I finished reading oh, wow. it. Wow. Because she'd really poured her heart and soul out to me.
0: But that's extraordinary. So that must be an extraordinary feeling to have spent, you know, blood, sweat and tears writing and creating this work of fiction. You know, obviously you know your characters incredibly well because there's huge depth here. Uh, in character and in plot, but then to when you send it out into the world, it's not really yours anymore no. in that way. Yeah. And then to get that sort of feedback where someone has read it and been obviously greatly moved by what they're reading, that
1: must be... Oh, it's very humbling. It, it really is. Um, and, you know, I felt bad that she oh. had gone through, like, you know, scratching old wounds Mm. um but pleased that you know she'd finished it and that she'd taken the time to let me know Mm, very very really wonderful but perhaps cathartic too who who knows is it
0: cathartic for you writing
1: what on good days
0: (laughs) well tell us a little bit about your writing
1: (laughs) methods and technique um Writing method, Um, I I work office hours. I turn up at nine and I finish at half a six and I have lunch and numerous walking down the stairs to make a cup of tea. I have recently been looking at how I work and um, I definitely need, I definitely take a natural break after 50 minutes. Yes. So I'll walk downstairs and make a cup of tea. Which is a good thing for the body too. Yeah, and make a cup of tea and you'll find that, at fifty minutes, when you start thinking, oh, I might look at Facebook, okay. <laughs> and, and and you think, oh, okay, I obviously need to step up and walk mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Occasionally, um, if you've got a real run on, it'll be longer. But on the average day, uh, so I don't believe in writer's block. I think you have to turn up every day um, to to write to to um, to get your brain to make connections and how it normally goes is I'll start a day and I don't really know what I'm doing and I'll write non- nonsense and and think, why am I doing this? It's too hard and how stupid am I to think that I could ever write a book even though I've got a backlist? <laughs> it's like you start again. It's like, why am I doing this? But because you've actually put stuff down on the page, yep. the next day when you turn up you've got something to edit and your mind has been secretly making connections and so you edit what you wrote that day and then that's your jumping off point and okay. and so the second day um is normally better. On the days that are gifts and for me a gift is about two and a half thousand words. Wow. But um then the next day not much happens. So you can have so- um because your muse you well your creativity it needs time to to um to yeast to yeast and bubble and then mm-hmm. it spits it out and then it's a bit weary and you've got to go back but also <laughs> writing is like this is when i write in scenes and so often when you've written the whole scene and you've got to the end especially as you're writing from four different points of view and what i've found with these big books is when i wrote daughter of mine it was the first book i hadn't been able to keep the whole story in my head because it's just too uh, big yeah, yeah. okay so what would happen is i write a a, you know, a 20-page chapter and I'm deep in Harriet's story, Yes. then the next chapter is going to be in uh, perhaps Georgie's story. Well, the last time I wrote, I write in chronolog- chronological order, so the last time I, I was in Georgie's head was four chapters ago. Oh, right. And I've forgotten because I'm deep into what Harriet was doing. Yeah. So then I've got to go back and read and reintroduce what Georgie's up to so that I can write the next chapter. So I actually really slow down after the end of a chapter. Okay. I don't tend to finish and then go, wow, yeah, can't wait to start the next bit. Normally it's like, oh, God, what am I doing next? I've got no <laughs> idea what I'm doing next and consult the whiteboard and the thing like that. Oh, you run a whiteboard? Well, I've, I've tried. This time I've tried with the book I'm currently writing at the moment, I'm trying uh, post-it notes on a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. I have a whole... You know, like a Bible. Um, well, no, it's yeah, what is it? 120 binder book. It's it oh, actually, an arch lever folder. No no, 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 just a binder. It's, it's an old one of my kids. It oh, says right, history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> year 10 history. Okay. Says. And so I, I write in that different character things, yep. but I still can't. I wanted something this time that I could sort of see yep. the whole thing. So I did different colored post it notes and did different trajectories for each person. And then I've got more detailed notes and then. Each time I finish a scene, I write exactly what had happened, so I kind of know what I'm. What so it's has a bit. Happened. It's a bit more but efficient. I still about. would like to see. I think I'd like an entire wall, <laughs> but I don't have that. So and I forget. So I write everything down, and then I think, and then I go back and read. Really it Go. Oh yes, I knew I was doing that. But because you get so enmeshed in that character yeah. for those twenty pages, it's a bit like. Um, starting over again. So, is every chapter roughly 20 pages? Like, do you sort of have a natural kind of trajectory? Do you
0: uh, find? Or is at, it chopping? No, uh,
1: no. Uh, in fact, Birthright was interesting in the editing process. So, I think the longest chapter in Birthright is probably the opening chapter, and I think that's 32 pages okay. because we meet everybody. Right. And I think the shortest chapter in Birthright is 12. Okay. But well, in, on yes. average, they're about eighteen to twenty. So now, this is birthright, your new novel that's yes. coming out
0: on the nineteenth of February. February, very this year, so twenty eighteen, and uh, oh. this is a terrific book. Oh, thank you. You know, I mean, I really enjoy Daughter of Mine, but I, I <coughs> but know. I actually think you're not allowed to have favorites. Ah, oh, well, don't that's know my
1: current favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say,
0: I think, well, I think this is going to press a lot of buttons. I think it's going to kind of a lot of people are going to identify because this is a book about inheritance.
1: Is that reasonable to say that's, that? That's right. So, and the tagline um, says three families,
0: three claims, one fortune. Let the scheming begin. And I do think that this is going to uh, ring a few bells with people because I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on in families about inheritance about and particularly about old age and, parents and families, siblings, rivalries, all sorts of things like that. So, when I um when I said, said I
1: was to people that I was writing a book about inheritance, mm. people said, Oh, have I got a story for you? <laughs> and I've been told about twenty five different stories that people just wanted to share mm. about what had happened in either their family or extended family or friends of and I said to my husband, I didn't go hard enough in this book. Some of really? the stuff that families do to each other is truly appalling. And and it doesn't matter how old you are, your your ordinal position in the family and your rivalries as children never actually leave. So even though you're 40, you that relationship you had with your younger brother or sister or older still comes up. Mm. And and you see it in Family gatherings, and we we tend to revert to our our positions. Uh, From childhood. So I I really
0: enjoyed this book uh, very much. Now, this is set in Victoria's high country. It is. So a little different from the Western District daughter of mine. But
1: another favourite part of Victoria for me. In fact, the mountains on the cover are actually Mount Buller. It's, oh,
0: wonderful! It's set in point.
1: a fictitious town so that I can do all sorts of things, and no one's going to say that's not on that corner. But if you know the high country, it's a fictitious mm. Mansfield, Myrtleford, Bright. That's the sort of sized town Gorgeous. that I was in, and and the and the background is the gourmet food trail. Yeah, which you know has become them. a thing it has um you know the grape mustard and the brown brothers and all that and and so one of the daughters and her husband have a very successful um cheese goat's cheese business mm. and sheep cheese um, so I had lots of fun with all the food stuff as well
0: and it's a terrific actual I found the depiction of the marriage really really good oh like edgy and very, very realistic, but really well told, and oh, just, you. just great. I really enjoyed that aspect. I mean, I didn't enjoy every bit of it because it's not all enjoyable. But I found it very true, and actually, a lot of it, um, particularly the sort of things they say to each other along the way about things that have happened in the relationship in years gone by, really resonated. I think it's, I think it's a book well, that will resonate with a lot of readers. I think
1: anyone with a long relationship. Yeah, will relate to it because marriages go. Yeah, they are there are troughs coaster. and pigs. Yeah. So with Luckily. birthright, I've got a family of three, two sisters and a brother, mm. and their mother. But each of the siblings has their own relationship. So in a we're we're explore, I'm exploring their own relationship,
0: yeah.
1: uh, as well as the way they all intermesh in regards to. Family stuff and the inheritance. Well, it's a really enjoyable. So, coming out
0: February nineteenth. February, on fantastic. Shelf everywhere,
1: Big W, yeah, Kmart, yeah. <laughs> Dymex, online.
0: This is not an advertising uh, <laughs> program, by the way, but that's okay. And it'll be in your local library. It you? will be in the local library. Yes.
1: And um, are you doing any library talks? I am doing a library tour. I'm doing Geelong oh, Belmont Library on the first of March, and. I'm going on the road to Wodonga, Banala, Wangaratta, Bright, Mansfield, King Lake. It's on my website. Marysville. Marysville. Fantastic. And I'm also going to Werribee, I think the 5th of April in Werribee. Wonderful. So all the dates are up on oh. my website and on my Facebook page. com. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. So that means you've, you've got
0: so many books under your belt but obviously you've made this transition if that's okay to use that Mm -hmm. word
1: from uh you still writing genre fiction i wrote one last year because i had i had a outstanding contract for one medical romance and they're keen for me to do one a year but last year was a very tough writing year because i was finishing birthright i had to write the fifty thousand word medical and i had to start Home Fires, which I'm writing right now, which will be out in March 2019, and I just about went insane. So this year, (laughs) it's not really surprising. I'm just writing. That's a big ask. Well, it doesn't allow for holidays, and you know I live for holidays. (laughs) Holidays are very important for refilling the well. Well, So I'm currently writing Home Fires, which is due out in 2019, and then I have um, another another book contracted that will be out in 2020 that doesn't exist yet. I have no idea what it's about, but I'll have to start it in about May.
0: Now these are this is another Australian book, Home Fires. Yes. So am I right in thinking set somewhere in Victoria as yes, well? Yes, I've
1: set this one in a fictitious town in the Otways.
0: Oh, the beautiful Otway
1: Ranges. Otway Ranges. Oh, wow. Just so out the back of home. the Great Ocean Road. That's right. Exactly. Superbally. Right between, uh, between the Colac Road and the Great Ocean Road. Fantastic. So, and that's not a family. It's about a community. But community family, they're pretty much the same.
0: Sounds fantastic.
1: So that's um, – I have to have that finished. By so you're a, a very, very
0: hard-working much. author, obviously.
1: Uh, well, I, I turn up every day. <laughs> well,
0: you, you've got the books to show for it, I must say. So, it's, um, uh, it's an impressive resume. And thank you. Uh, so, Home Five, looking forward to that. Thank you. So, okay, so just before we finish, I'd like to know um, the book that you are contracted for for 2020 publication. Yes. That you haven't even started.
1: Yes. How then do you start? I have a framework in my head for that book, okay. I don't know what it's about but I know exactly the framework I'm going to hang it off. Um, and so I can't think about um, more than one book at a time. Yeah. I'm a bit anal retentive, so there's, and there's no space in my brain for more than one. <laughs> so uh, what I normally do is I have a few, I have a folder called book ideas or I'll read something and I'll pull it out of the paper or and I normally consult that and see if anything sparks and um Then I research to the point where I have to physically make myself stop because research does become procrastination. And normally um, I start purely and utterly driven by the sheer fear that I won't meet my deadline. Uh, But, and I start off with characters, but you know what, the first 60,000 words of the book is just me getting to know my characters. And so the second half of the book is easier to write than the first. I always, um, people ask me, I say, well, the first half of the book is a bit like climbing up a sheer rock face and you know, one hand held at a time with your nose pressed right up against the wall and you can't see anything and you think, why am I doing this? And then as you get to a point where you haul yourself up on the belly over onto the top and suddenly you're on the ridge and you're looking down onto the plans in front of you. That's not to say that the last half is an easier right, but you've done all the, You've set up everything yeah, and so you can hang the rest of the book off. Of that. that. So the second half is normally a faster write right. because you've set everything up. But the so first half is is just really hard and I normally say, why am I doing this?
0: And your books are very strongly character-driven, would you they say? They are. Yeah. They're
1: very strongly character-driven,
0: yeah. So what would you be your best piece of advice about a, an aspiring author or a beginning author um, about writing?
1: Writing a car- thriller. They're currently selling to beat <laughs>
0: Uh, but I even could, I couldn't
1: write a thriller to save my soul because I'm. I watch the Who Done and I never work out who's Done It. So, um, but in
0: terms of a character-driven story, what would you say about? You it? have
1: to know. You have to know what your character believes about themselves because because what we believe about ourselves, whether that's erroneous or whether it's correct drives everything we say and do and how we react to other people mm. so if you've got someone with low self-esteem that is going to drive their behavior in everything they do and they won't believe you when you say
0: you've got low self-esteem
1: no when you <laughs> say god you look up you look amazing today you know oh, did you make yeah. that Oh I made the dress. That is amazing. Like I oh no, it's nothing. Like they yeah, will yeah. put themselves down, they will underplay everything and they have no confidence. So so that will drive everything. And it that how they respond to people or the decisions that they make, they will walk away from opportunities because it's too scary. That sort of thing. And if you know what your character believes about themselves, then really you can just write off into and the plot will start to come. Okay. That's but advice. but i mean the plot in birthright is that this is the inheritance there yeah. is a lot of money and so that that is the center and everything goes around that so that was the plot in daughter of mine it's a secret yep that has been 50 years in the making and starts to rumble to the surface is one of the things there's five bombs in Daughter of Mine and there's about four or five bombs in birthright. And by bomb you mean as
0: something explosive that comes out and it changes things yeah, for that the It changes
1: things. So it's it's a okay. bit like I I remember going to a um, writing course with a screenwriter and he talked about slams. Oh. So you, you when you slam slam into a wall, you bounce back off it, but you bounce back off it into a different direction. And so yeah. uh, you need you need um, slams in your book because you need your characters to come head to head with big confronting situations, so that they that sends them spiralling off into, off into, into another, another direction. direction. Fantastic! Yes. And you need okay. to create chaos, and you need to dangle your characters over a shark pit pit of vipers or oh, a cro- snappy <laughs> crocodiles. You've got to tangle them, and and what's the other big thing? Um, force them to do things they don't want to do.
0: Okay, or that they would never do.
1: Or that they would never do. Put them in situations that they would never, never do. And and that's sort of one of the best examples of that, and it's really old now, it's probably dating me, is the film Romancing the Stone. Oh, yes. You know, she's this plain, jealous, Jane. plain yes. Jane and she's never stepped out of New York City and suddenly she's in the jungles of South America and all sorts of different things are happening to her. And I know that's a romp and it doesn't have to be that, but, you know, emotionally or physically... Um, the, but I the, think if you the, think of any of the great
0: books or films, um, that's precisely what happens. Casablanca mm. is a good yes. example. You know, Rick, who's safe in Casablanca, mm. and he comes face to face mm. with everything he left behind that's in Paris. Right. Yeah. So and, you need yeah. to
1: torture your characters to get a good story. <laughs> Heap
0: misery on your heroine. And avoid
1: too many <laughs> cups of tea.
0: Fantastic. Well, Fiona Lowe, it's been just delightful having you in the Book Cave. Thank you for but of me. course, in the tradition of the Book Cave, before you go, we would like you to tell us the three books that you would like to contribute to our virtual book bin, our virtual time capsule. The three books that you would like the world to read a thousand years from now.
1: Okay. Well. Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen because when I was 15, my mother gave me a copy and suggested that I read it and I was very loath to read it and I whinged and moaned and um, and, and that horrible Mr Darcy and, oh, that wonderful Mr Darcy. And I can still remember all those years later, these years later, the the, the wonderful feeling when I finished that book and that's why I... Um, started out writing romance because i loved the happy ending i was Mm. addicted to that so pride and prejudice love it um bridges out of poverty is a is a book that um had a big impact on me i worked in um community health for years and i worked with a lot of people who um live in poverty and it opened my eyes to um to to values and um generally what happens is, is middle-class people who are working in the hel- helping capacity, having absolutely no understanding mm. of, of generational poverty and um, anyone working in the industry needs to read that book and everyone who isn't working in the industry. Basically, everyone needs to read this book. I right. really do. Okay. And that will make Great. them more caring and understanding people. And... Uh, Another book that really stuck with me—I can tell you exactly where I was. I was in the Langham Hotel in Melbourne when I read it. Was Year of Wonders by oh, Geraldine. Geraldine Brooks, and I loved that book, and I loved that portrayal of of a, of a town. And I mean, I could taste and feel the healing herbs and the flowers. And and I'm—I mean, I was fascinated by the plague, and mm. so. And she writes great books. She does. They would be very fun. There's lots of others that could go in, but I had to only choose three.
0: Well, you only get three, I'm afraid, and the book bin's getting quite full. it is. It is. We have quite a lot of extraordinarily interesting and eclectic titles in the book bin, but it's great. Well, thank you so much, Fiona. Wonderful to speak with you. And thank you for bringing in your Rita. My Rita, thank you very much. And looking forward to Birthright. Wonderful.